0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombus donates an item to someone who needs it. Hello and welcome to lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host Joe Prez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How you doing today, Matt?
0: Hi, that's a loaded question. I turn 49 tomorrow. So, yeah, um I'm still alive and that's gonna have to do.
1: I mean, that's I am sure as many of our listeners would uh would would agree is better than some of the alternative sometimes and well, I'm happy that you're still here. But We're going to be talking about things that are also kind of dead, but not really, because things are weird. We're going to be talking about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, say up front, there's probably going to be a lot of talk about Shadowlands, because we still have a lot of questions to get through from you, our wonderful listeners. If you do have questions for us, uh, whether it's this podcast, the other podcast, or The queue, uh, be sure to send them in. We do have uh, several Discord channels dedicated specifically to asking these questions. As a matter of fact, most of these questions actually do come from our Discord, so thank you very much. Uh, we do have one set aside for our patrons to sort of reward them as being uh, sponsors of our wonderful products here. Uh, so if you are a patron, we have one set aside for you, and we try to go to those first. Uh, but we want to make sure that everybody else gets a chance as well. And if Discord isn't your thing, you can send those questions in to our email address at podcast at blizzardwatch.com. If you have sent up anything in there, I apologize. We haven't gotten to them yet just simply because we've actually been quite fortunate and have quite a number of questions from you. Uh, So thank you very much for sending those in. And thank you very much for your continued support. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and kick things off right here. Uh, so hello, Rage Meter Rossi and Totem Placer Perez. A Skardashian, orc warrior from Grizzly Hills and Patreon supporter. Well, thank you very much, Skardashian. I'm leveling through Mount Hygel where the Ancients are returning. During questing, Ysera says, The rift that weakens the boundaries of this world has hastened the return of powerful allies. Later on, Rage Ragehowl states that the ancient Logosh appeared on both Azeroth and Draenor in many forms this reminds me of a loon appearing on t- on different worlds two questions what rift does yasira speak of how does the return of these powerful allies relate to what we've learned about the anima and lower regeneration in shadowlands or is this something entirely different does this give any clues as to when the machinery of death quote-unquote broke do no,
0: it-, <laughs> it does not give clues to that people really gonna stop asking that question we don't know anything other than what we've already talked about guys i'm sorry Yeah, we we don't
1: we don't have a time reference yet. We know we now know kind of what happened, but we don't know when it happened.
0: And plus, with the time in the Shadowlands being the way it is, that it's almost useless to speculate because five years from our perspective could be fifty thousand from theirs. They don't they don't measure time the same way. Uh, I will say this: the rift that he's that's being talked about there. There's another part of the question. Yeah, but let me answer the rift part. The rift that Ysera is speaking of is the one that Deathwing ripped when he tore up from. Deep home and into Azeroth. Does that have anything to do with what's currently going on with the Shadowlands? I don't know. I do suspect that it probably did weaken the barrier between Ardenweald and the Shadowlands. I mean, and, and uh, the Emerald Dream. But I don't know why it would have. Keep in mind that the various elemental planes were created by the Titans. Specifically by uh, Highkeeper Ra and our old friend... And current foe, hell yeah, they're the ones that made those four elemental realms. So, what Deathwing did when he punched through might have had an effect on the entire setup that they put in place. And we're starting to learn a lot about the Emerald Dream. Seems to predate the Titans. Yeah, but we know that the Titans did something to it, specifically Freya, and it's quite possible that it's whatever it's it's related to whatever Freya did to the Emerald Dream that is connected to what deathwing did here we because we also saw that the old gods were attacking the emerald dream uh in legion we got to see the fallout from that
1: i still have the void rose in my bag from that because why not
0: and we saw ysera involved in that ysera the shade of ysera or reflection of ysera and spoilers for uh shadowlands but ysera comes back in ardenweald as a I don't know how you would put what exactly happens to her. you want to talk about that? Or do you want to talk about something else? So,
1: let, yeah, let's it. let's talk a little bit about it, because I, I, as I've picked Ardenweald as my covenant, I've actually literally just got through some extra stuff today that gives me a little more insight into it, which, if players out there you have already done this, I apologize if I'm telling you old news. But for those of you that didn't choose Ardenweald or are still going through your upgrades for your, your covenant, this might be some new new news for you. So one of the things that I found very, very interesting about uh, how Ardenweald works is that there are two different ways, apparently, that things are brought back to uh, life. There is a... It's the Grove of Awakening, and this one seems specifically for those souls that are going to be awoken... Inside of Arden Weld to stay in Ardenwell. and th- this is important because this is where we take Ysara's seed. Uh, so as you're doing the questing, you get the you're told that there's this one wild seed that's been saved, being struggled uh, struggling with nightmares and everything that's happening. We find out throughout this questing that it is Ysara. We help her deal with her nightmares, which involve. Uh, murdering her friends over and over again, so the whole Temple of Elune battle in Ajuna, uh, or Valshara, excuse me, um, the uh, her succumbing to the nightmare, all of the things that involved uh, Xavius and all that stuff, all of those things you deal with and bring her peace, and you actually beg the fairy queen, the basically the winter queen, to bring her back and not just you, but every single member of the court, every droman, every uh, important fairy, even the members of the wild hunt who you've helped out through this entire time, all they are saying, no, you're going to bring this seed back to life and the queen's. You know, response is, OK, well, we're going to bring her back to life. But they bring her back to the Grove of Resurrection or Grove of Awakening, where she is awoken and her eyes turn to the blue of the fairies. She's now part of Ardenwelt. And this is something that they make very, very clear. It's not that she you know, can go back. She's not reborn in a way that she can go back to Azeroth, which is very fascinating. But she's stuck to serve the grove now. Um, Now there is another section that is the Queen's Conservatory. And it's one of the items that are one of the places that you can actually unlock if you choose the covenant. And as you do this, you actually nurture wild seeds. You put souls into wild seeds to resurrect them and send them back to their world. Now, in-game mechanically, it's just to give you uh, extra bonuses, whether it's consumables or uh, it's very similar to, like, garrisons where you would, you know, have the, the farm or have the mine that you could go into and get things, get, get crafting materials. This gives you crafting materials or anima or cosmetic things as well. Um, but it's fascinating to because there is a separate section that is not widely used, at least by the rest of the Fairy Court, and all of the NPCs in there are very specifically dedicated to this particular conservatory. Like they don't go anywhere else, uh, unlike all the other Fairy Court uh, members who can basically go wherever they want to any of the groves that they want and travel throughout Ardenweld. It's also separated, like its own little subplane within Ardenweld mostly i think to keep it safe from outside incursion so like it's almost like this floating platform in the middle of nowhere like you can't you can see ardenwell but like you can't see down uh it's really well removed but the souls you bring back the souls that you nurture back to life that you awaken they emerge from the wild seeds And they look very much like the Titan Souls. Uh, They're the constellation of stars inside of the gaseous forms. And then they leave and go back to their... Uh, go back to their plane and how you're introduced to this too, is fascinating as well, because one of the first things you do is the queen takes you through the ceremony of resurrection. And by doing so, she's resurrecting a cloud serpent and not just any cloud serpent. It's the cloud serpent that's hanging out in the veil. Uh, The one that you need all those, not, not Sulon, the one that you need the sky shards to get at. Okay. So it's the red crackling lightning, uh, Cloud serpent, and you're sending it back to Azeroth. Like, that's the first thing you do. It's absolutely fascinating. Now, I think that there is, going back to what Matt was saying earlier, just to sort of uh, go back to the root of the question, I think that there is something that when Deathwing ripped through the world, that some of the barriers did weaken. Because if you, during Cataclysm, the barrier between all of the elemental planes was uh, weakened, was thinned. And I had this thing that I said about maybe a month ago at this point. Uh, it was that everything seems to sort of touch Azeroth in almost like this weird balance state. That, like, the prime material plane seems to be this place where all these extra realms can touch to varying degrees, and Azeroth almost seems like the nexus point. So if he rips from one, one plane of existence to another plane of existence that could have catastrophic effects to others especially because in order it's almost like a closed system right if you have a bunch of you know connected spheres and you know one of those spheres breaks some What will happen is the pressure inside of those spheres, if they're all connected, will try to balance out. And sometimes that weakens the other ones as a result. So it kind of is like this constant process of rebalancing, rebalancing, rebalancing. Well, Deathwing isn't the only one that's shattered reality in some capacity. We've had the Legion doing all sorts of weird things. We have a giant sword sticking out of Azeroth. We've seen interdimensional travel happen. Heck, that spell that uh Illidan used in order to basically open the wormhole to Argus. Like that whole thing, all of that could have had a very profound effect on how things were balanced out. So I think there's something to that, that as these catastrophic, catastrophic events have been happening, that the barrier between worlds, uh, basically realms touching the prime material weakens because they're stretching themselves thinner to compensate for the holes that are already punched into that system. Does that make sense? This is me asking are You man. asking me. Yeah, this is me asking oh, you. How man.
0: the hell would I know, man? I don't know. Makes <laughs> sense anymore. None of this makes sense. Uh, but basically, um, to answer like the other question you're asking about Lagosh, uh, existing on both Azeroth and Draenor, that's a good point, and it's one that I keep coming back to as I think more about the Emerald Dream. Since we've seen Ardenweald in the Shadowlands and the Emerald Dream has been mentioned as sort of its opposite number, I'm starting to think that there's a, for lack of a better word, there's a lifelands. The, there's something out there that's connected not to death, but to life, and the existence of life. And we might see it at some point or we might not, but the mm-hmm. Emerald dream definitely seems to be part of it. And I would wonder if the sister, whoever the sister is that the winter queen talks about when she's resurrecting Ysera, might be there might be in the Emerald dream. There might be a summer queen who knows,
1: you know, and I was thinking about um, that too, that that would be very, very interesting and a very good way of, of balancing the uh, the sort of the fairy courts because I've been wondering this since we first started getting into Shadowlands. Uh, it, it's, is there a summer court? We know the winter court. And it makes sense that the winter court is centered around death. That's very in line with sort of like that traditional mythos. Well, it's
0: autumnal. Yeah it's, yeah, it's the autumn, you know, versus the summer. But what what I what really has me thinking about it is anima comes from the, the land of the living and goes into the Shadowlands when you die. Yep. But where does it come from? Does it come from this realm, or does it enter our realm from somewhere else? If this is all cyclical and things are returned to life from the Shadowlands, uh, does that anima come from somewhere else? Is there a realm where anima flows from that that enters into our world? I don't know the answer to that question, but it does seem to me like if we take the Emerald Dream as the opposite reflection of Ardenweald, then the Emerald Dream would basically be connected to something similar to the way Ardenweald is a Shadowland. Uh, there'd be life lands or summer lands or whatever you want to call them.
1: So that's one thing I've been wondering, too. And this is something that especially with like the Logosh thing and knowing that the ancients can go to other places and knowing that ANR had a hand in shaping the Emerald Dream and even looking at Legion and when the druids when you're when you are a druid and you can go through like the dreamways and and get a, a glimpse of what's there and see that there is like an infinite number of pathways it made me start wondering if maybe there is a little something more to it like we talked about the titans not necessarily creating anything new but just reshaping what was there or repurposing the emerald dream i think you brought this up a few weeks ago And since you mentioned that, it's been stuck in my head. What if the Emerald Dream isn't what we think it is, and it's not just limited to Azeroth? And what we're seeing of it, the pieces that we have seen, including the Nightmare, is just such a small subsection of it. This could simply be the realm of life that connects or touches to almost everything in the same way that the Shadowlands does, or at least a section of it. And that's been sort of sticking in my brain because it would explain why the wild gods can appear, or the ancients can appear elsewhere. Why there's you know places where Alun and Anar seem to be in sync with each other, but also have a very emerald dreamy type of vibe. Uh, so oh, maybe it wasn't thing, meant to be a backup. Maybe it wasn't always just specifically a backup copy of Azeroth.
0: Well, I think that that the backup copy of Azeroth part might be the part we call the Emerald Dream. Right but there's something bigger, a a bigger realm of life. I don't know if you would call that realm just the Emerald Dream by itself or if there's more to it. But I want to talk really fast about the question about Ancients, Wild Gods, and Loa. Um, Ancient Wild God and um, the August Celestials all do seem to be basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. Loa is a more general term. There are beings that are called Loa that absolutely are the same as Ancients or Wild Gods or August Celestials. But there's also pretty much any powerful spirit can be a Loa. Like they, the, it would be from a troll conception. The winter queen's a Loa. Yeah. The jailer's a Loa. Yep. Uh, the arbiters a Loa because they're all Loas to the trolls. The trolls. Like, I mean, when the, when the trolls meet wisps in, in Mount Hyjal, they consider those Loa. Loa are any powerful spiritual being. It doesn't, it's a catch all. They use that word the same way we would use the word spirit.
1: Yep, they really do.
0: So that doesn't mean, it doesn't really answer your question because you're asking, are they, uh, you know, are they different things? Are they the same thing? Ancients and wild gods and August Slessis are all basically the same kind of thing. There's a little difference between them and that could just be the way that they're interacted with. We don't know for sure, but they're definitely all pretty similar. Um, and it's really interesting to look at Mount Hyjal and compare it to Xandalar Isle because Mount Hyjal and Xandalar Isle, Zandalar Isle used to be the mountain Zandalar
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and everything on it like was basically part of this mountain chain. And the reason it became a series of islands is it survived because it was higher up. Like a lot of stuff that got swallowed into the ocean that this didn't because it was tall enough essentially. So it's worth considering how they were opposite poles of the same basic kind of thing down to, they both had trolls living around them.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, And to the to the Dark Trolls who who now only exist as like one troll who lives in Zandalar uh, to the Dark Trolls, all the things we call ancients or August Celestials would have been Loa. And that's how they would have interacted with them. And a loon would have been a Loa from their perspective. So it's Loa is a very general term.
1: The other thing that I think is really interesting too when you're starting one of the one of the parts of the question is uh, in terms of cosmic distribution. If you do the other side dungeon, there's some very interesting connotations in there as you go through. Yes, we get a bunch of stuff from our world from Azeroth as far as the encounters go, but one of the encounters is essentially a like touching another planet elsewhere. We don't know where it is or what it is exactly, but one of the encounters is with one of those, uh, why can't I think of the name of them now, brokers. Brokers aren't from Azeroth. They're not f- native to at they're least supposedly
0: we- from the Shadowlands. They say they're from a weird alternate Shadowland. No one knows what it is.
1: Yeah, but they seem to have like access to a world with other other beings, which could be part of the Shadowlands. It could be uh, one of the other things. And there's a question later on that actually asks something about this later, which we'll get to. But it's it's fascinating to me because that person made a deal with Baumsomdi, that broker. So that means that the reach of Loa might like might be larger than we think. And what that means or what that could mean for the future, I don't know. But I think in terms of cosmic distribution, I think even there, it's just based on how powerful that particular spirit or god or ancient or Loa, whatever you want to call it, is and what its sort of like domain of influence is as to how far it can reach or where it goes to look. Because even Moizala makes references to something beyond just Azeroth, uh, and not just the Shadowlands. It's very vague, but it is there when he's talking with Somdi and having his argument back and forth with him in the other side. So, there might be more to it, and we might see more about that in the future. I'm actually kind of hoping we do, because I think now that we're in Shadowlands, it is a perfect opportunity to learn some Interesting things, in particular, about the ancients, the wild gods, and the loas, and how they interact with the world of the living. So, hopefully, that answers your questions. uh Probably a little bit more than you bargained for, but hey, that's why you guys are here, isn't it? All right, our next one. Howdy, fellas. Thros Helheim. The vision of zekhan has uh, was given in Shadows Rising of Sarfang. The lights treatment of Brydenbad. These are a few examples of portions of the Shadowlands and possible other afterlives we know are out there, but not available in 9.0. Also, Steve Denouser said in an interview that demons and magical creatures upon death return to their respective realms. Uh, With all this evidence and a moment of speculation, what do you think we might see in 9.1 and beyond? What realms could you speculate are waiting for us to travel through the Shadowlands? Thanks for the entertainment and inspiration. This is Kali Apali, who's also a patriot our patron support. Uh,
0: Sorry to be the guy who I always am. Neither nor Helheim are in the Shadowlands. Uh, For that matter, neither is the Halls of Valor. Uh, They are not in the Shadowlands. Just because a a realm is someplace dead people end up doesn't mean it's in the Shadowlands. Sometimes, on purpose, it's not in the Shadowlands. They're pocket dimensions a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they are. For instance, we just talking about it. The other side is considered to be a pocket dimension in the Shadowlands whereas Thros is not. And that's... Joe was talking... I wanted to bring this up while Joe was talking about it, but I waited till we get to this point. The entire reason that the Drust are invading uh, Ardenwield is to get to that place Joe was just talking about.
1: They want to get because, to the Grove of Rebirth. They want to get yeah. to the, the Conservatory.
0: Yeah, because they want to be reborn into uh, into our world again. Because here's the deal. The, the, the beings of Throst, the Drust, didn't just kill themselves... They ripped their own spirits out of their bodies and put them into constructs. They severed themselves from the cycle of rebirth. They made themselves dead things permanently, much the same way that the scourge are trapped. And with them constantly inhabiting construct bodies, they don't have life and they can never get life back. And so that's the whole thing they're trying to do. They want to hijack the cycle of of resurrection and return. They want to steal it and repurpose it for their own use. Because right now they have no way back to being living things. They can't. They can't even be reborn into the Shadowlands and and take on like an animal form and and do that. They're completely cut off. And that's Thros is not a part of the Shadowlands. Thros is very deliberately a prison it's- that imprisons them.
1: Yeah, and I think I think part of the the reason for the question though is because it had Thros has been referred to oftentimes, oh, yeah, as a and death realm, right?
0: That's that's exactly what I'm getting at here. There are realms like Thros and Helheim that are outside of the cycle of the Arbiter.
1: Yeah, which is that's what and, the death realm is, or at least in this yeah. particular case.
0: And with Thros, I, I really want to get into Thros more because I do I absolutely think we are going to see Thros.
1: Go for it. I, 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 I agree to. with you.
0: I think we're going to go to Thros because what's happening with the invasion of, of Ardenweald, with the Drust showing up and doing all the mayhem that they're doing, uh, they're basically attacking what they consider to be at the time of, of Ardenweald's weakest moment. They're taking advantage. They're not involved in what the Jailer has done.
1: No, they're opportunists.
0: But they're just, okay, now is the time. The, 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 they would never want to take on the Winter Queen at full power. They don't want to fight her. She'll stomp them. But right now, she cannot bring the full amount of her power to bear because she's using so much of it to try and preserve the realm. Yeah. She's weakened. Now is the time that they're attacking. I definitely think we're going to see Thros. I-, I absolutely think we're gonna have to go to Thros because that's where most of the drust are. And absolutely I think that's going to be something. It could be like it could be like um the way we got oh bully, like, Valchara. Not yeah. uh, no, the 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 Naga place. I can never remember the name of this. Oh, Nazjatar. Nazjatar, Nazjatar. Yeah. It could be like we got Nazjatar and uh, the the in, in Battle for Azeroth. We could have it as a side realm that we go to. Uh, I don't know, but I definitely I, think that's going to be a place. The thing about, about Helheim is Helheim is definitely on the agenda because we are fighting with Helya. And she made Helheim. I think the way she made Helheim is of interest to the Jailer. And because it is much, it is a Titan version of what the first ones did when they made the, you know, the Maw. They they imprisoned him in the Maw. They made the Maw supposedly inescapable in much the same way that she made the Halls of Valor and Helheim inescapable when she created them. She made pocket dimensions in much the same way. So I think that's why she was of such importance to the jailer. As for the visions that kind of had we're going there because that's what the other side is. He was just given a vision by um von Samdi. he didn't go anywhere
1: yeah and not only that but like we now know thanks to the other side that what bomb samdi does there is he creates or or at least puts them these these souls into their own version of the afterlife like when you're the, when you're going through there and you're dealing with and again, mild spoilers, but any of those encounters, when you're dealing with Hakar, you're on a temple that worships Hakar. When you're dealing with uh, the Mana Storms, you're in a version of of Nomorgon, Uh that is essentially, you know, their ideal version. So, like these are little little things that he can create uh, pocket dimension. So when we see uh, Sarfang in Shadows Rising, when we when we see that vision, that could be accurate. Like that could be exactly where Sarfang is. But it could just be one of those places that's a pocket dimension, uh, his version of the afterlife, and I think it goes back to the uh, like the the Braden Brad thing and 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 everything else, where it's like not everything has to be, for lack of a better term, general population. Like not everything has to cross pollinate, uh, and there is this uh, this idea that you see in a lot of of real world like, mythology and a lot of uh, supernatural sort of like thought process when it comes to the whole, you know, where do souls go when they die? Uh, even if you want to look at cheesy TV shows, uh, as much as I love it, I know that some of the stuff is super cheesy, but like, you look at the show Supernatural itself. Everything for, for heaven and hell is personalized. It's like their own version of it. And that's where like I think it's really interesting because... Like Sarfang seems to be in one of those places. Brayden Brad might be in one of those places. It's well, for
0: that matter too. I'm going to be up front here, just because Zekhan saw, you know, Sarfang in some kind of paradise. That's more for him than it is for Sarfang. Mm-hmm. It's quite possible Sarfang isn't anywhere like that. That's that was a vision for Zecon. It wasn't a vision for Sarfang. Sarfang, whatever he's doing, we don't know. He could be in the Shadowlands. He could have gone to Meldraxis. He maybe went nowhere. Maybe he just died. I, we don't know, but I do know he's not in the Maw because we're not currently fighting Sorfang leader of the Maw. That's a joke. Cause Sorfang would have kicked the jailer's butt and taken over by now. Probably. Getting at. Yeah. Um, but, but in all sincerity, uh, cleave master aside, rest in peace, buddy. Um, I, I definitely think that some of these places you're mentioning are going to pop up. Um,
1: I'm I'm on I'm on the the Thros bandwagon too, especially with dealing with Ardenwald as you advance through the campaign stuff. One of the things that's really fascinating is the the Drust are using portals, like magic portals, to teleport into Ardenwald, and it's interesting because. Uh, Ardenwell, when you're dealing with, like, the Wild Hunt and the Grove Tenders and everything, they've never seen that before. But when you're dealing with uh, certain other factions, like the Brokers, it's nothing new to them. This is what they do. They they can open up portals between lands without the intervention of anybody in Oribos. So they're just like, yeah, okay, whatever— I would not be surprised if you're like right on the money and then we just start making a deal with a broker to say, you know what? We need to go there and finish this, open up a portal to, to throws. We're going to go kick some, some weird wicker man, butt. like it's going to happen.
0: Yeah. And it's actually, there's one of the things that's said is that throws is actually an outgrowth or a, a subsidiary of the Emerald nightmare.
1: Yeah. Cause buddy. the
0: throws, cause throws was created by Druids mm-hmm. and they didn't know what the Emerald nightmare was. They they weren't in contact with the um, people back you know they weren't in contact with the scenario circle they they were using their own magic in their own way and we know that the drust druidic arts are still preserved and it's very death oriented mm-hmm. so it's quite possible this is like using the shadow it's it's using the void as a back door into the shadowlands and we've seen that that's happened in other places we've seen a bastion's been invaded by the void directly so. Since Thros is called the Blighted Lands, uh, I, I don't know if it's considered to be a death realm or a void realm. And it could be both. Yeah, it could be that but, intersection between the two. Yeah, but I definitely think that we've seen everything that the Drust have done has been a perversion of, of what they were supposed to do. Like they that's why the Thorn Speakers left the Drust, because the Drust were just perverting everything that they had stood for. Yeah. And there's a lot going on. I definitely think we're gonna see Thros this expansion. I I definitely think it's going to be a place we go.
1: And I've been saying this since the beginning, there's an infinite number of possibilities of places that we could go. It's going to depend on uh, where the teams want to take us. Um, I will be very interested to see what new places make an appearance because I honestly feel we're not just going to be limited to like four or five, maybe six realms. There's probably going to be more, uh, the map
0: looks like that that's what they're giving us. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of empty space on that map.
1: There's a ton of empty space. So we'll get to more places, I'm sure of it. And I, I have trust in Steven team with the story that they're going to tell, that wherever it's going to be, it's going to be pretty dang. But hopefully that answers your question, Kali. Uh, but we're going to move on to our next one here. Uh, hi, Watchers of Lore. Quick question involving wild speculation, or inviting wild speculation. Do you think the brokers share an origin slash history with the Eternals? Or, sorry. Wow, Eternals. Ethereals. I have Marvel Comics on the brain, sorry. Uh, both seem to be extra-worldly, extra-mortal? Uh, beings who physically form, who, whose physical form is energy wrapped in more solid matter, perhaps by the same necessity in both cases. And they both share an interest in fantastical commerce and a turning-a-profit-off adventurer. Uh, even their voice effects are similar. Don's tinfoil hat. Cheers, Razorbug. Er, yeah, Razorbug. What do you think?
0: No, I absolutely don't think they are related in any... Um... I think we know the brokers are, like, from what we know of the brokers, they come from an unnamed realm of the Shadowlands. Mm -hmm. Now, I suppose the case could be that they are... Here's the thing. We don't know exactly what happened to the Ethereals. We know that their bodies were destroyed and they had to use, you know, magical bandages and so forth to maintain their now arcane spirits existing on on our world. So here's a, a possibility. If we want to postulate a brokers ethereal's relationship, it could very well be that the Brokers are the anima of the Ethereals. When they were sundered by what happened to Karesh, their spirits were split and part of them went to the Shadowlands where it couldn't be part of the cycle. It couldn't be judged because it wasn't whole. We know that when someone dies but they're in a weird case, they're not they're judged as a you know part. They're judged as a whole. The the various pathways are all considered part of one spirit, and they're judged as that spirit. I don't understand this. It's never made a lot of sense to me, but it's what we've been told. Like for instance, when one form, of, when our version of the original Gul'dan died, apparently his his entire soul, all the versions of Gul'dan that existed, were judged, even though there was another Gul'dan running around. You got me as to how this works. I don't know. Time doesn't really <laughs> exist there. So people can die at vastly different times and it doesn't matter because in the Shadowlands, there is no time. So you're all going to die. Eventually you all die. Eventually you all get there. I, I got, you got, that's just what it is. So if the brokers were split off in that way and they you know, part of them went to the, to the, you know, the, the Shadowlands, it might very well have ended up in another realm and not been judged because they weren't whole. They weren't the whole being and the rest of them isn't ever going to go to the Shadowlands, because they're now this weird arcane presence that exists in our universe. Like I've never heard it explained to me whether or not you can actually kill one ethereal. Mm -hmm. Like if I, if I kill them and they, their, their wrappings get ripped open, can they just drift over and find a new body like, like wildfire from the old Legion comic books? Like, can they just get a new suit? Like, oh, I get some new wrappings. I'm fine. I don't know the answer to that question. So I don't think the brokers are supposed to be related to the Ethereals. But if you were going to postulate an origin for them, that's one possibility. See, and I've been
1: thinking that maybe they're not related to the Ethereals in any capacity other than rivals to the ethereal. So one of the things I find fascinating is that, like. They occupy a similar space between worlds, uh, because that's what that's what ethereals were originally sold to us as. We know they have a planet, uh, but they basically are planet walkers, or at least that's what we were told. Like they walk through, you know, the twisty nether, get to different planets, collect arcane items and artifacts and have transactional relationships. Well, what if it's not? Just traveling through space, but also traveling through like dimensions. Ethereals open up gates very similar to how the brokers do it. We actually help them in many capac in many cases in uh, Burning Crusade do exactly that. We help them form a lot of these gates and help them jump in from wherever they're you know stationed nowadays. But what if they're not the only race out there that did that did that? And while the Ethereals were focused mainly on Arcane, uh, brokers were always more interested in Anima because that seems to be the case. Um, I would not be surprised if they just happen to be the big reveal is that brokers aren't dead. They're not necessarily uh, Shadowlands native entities. That they're just there, that they just they can go there, which is why they can move between the different planes without any Actually, extra intervention.
0: Though, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something that I think contradicts what you're saying. Okay. The brokers have various symbols on their bodies. Mm-hmm. Those symbols are also seen in you know other places in Oribos, which is not a city they made, and they're also seen on other First One artifacts that you find in the Shadowlands, which would imply that the brokers are somehow related to the creation of Orbos or the creation of the the creation by the first ones. So it's possible that they do and they're not dead. Like I think that the not dead thing is interesting. What if they're not necessarily they were intended for a different purpose?
1: Yeah, then that, that's entirely possible too.
0: And it's also entirely possible that's for the
1: Ethereals as well.
0: Except no, there's not we know exactly how the Ethereals got the way they got. And it's nothing to do with being created by a higher power. It's the destruction of a void being. I I feel like the fact that they're similar is just the fact that you're always going to get some people trying to occupy niches. But I don't think they actually are related. I don't think there's any real evidence of them being related. It's just that they like the same stuff. Goblins like a lot of that same stuff. And we don't ever worry that they're related to ethereals because we know they're not. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, they're not that similar. I don't think the ethereals are all that similar either. I don't think that they're contained the same way. I think they're actually, I don't know, artificial is the only word I can think of to describe it. I think they're, they're creations.
1: Well, and and, I'm, and I think I'm fine with that, but I'm I, the, what I was getting at was I'm wondering if there's an entire series of races that were created for a specific purpose by the first one. Because there's nothing that says that the first ones didn't have any hand in what happened in the material plane, right? Like, there's nothing that says that they were only limited to the Shadowlands, right? We don't know what they were yet, and we know that for some reason their technology responds to us, and we're not of the Shadowlands, right? Uh, There's a lot of things that could really take this for a spin what if there are other races that are very similar to ethereals and brokers but all of them have a very specific focus um maybe they were designed or destined to do certain things like i don't want to say curation but what if that tends to be what they were supposed to do like curate this particular element or particular or curate this particular realms you know x or y so i don't know like in the uh, yeah, You may be absolutely right. There could be just that they're just artificial beings that, you know, were created for whatever reason. But I think there might be some relation between them. The there reason, might be other races.
0: Yeah, but the reason that I, I don't, I mean, maybe you're right. But the reason I'm not going for this is because we know exactly that the Ethereals used to just be physical beings like everybody else. They that, just used to be fleshy people. And it's Dementius, the All Devourings, Assault on Koresh. And it was their attempt to stop it that caused them to get ripped like into you know, beings of energy as they are. Whereas the, we have no reason to believe that the brokers were ever anything, but what they are. Now that's the only reason that I don't necessarily see any specific connection to the first ones uh, or anything. I mean, it's not saying, you know, for all we know, the first ones made the entire bloody universe. Yeah. which is everything possible. We don't know one way or the other. There's nothing to, to give us that connection right now. I'm not saying it isn't there. I'm not saying you're not right. I'm saying as of right now, I don't see anything that leads to that. You know, it it is speculation. There's, there's nothing in the game right now that that's, if anything, the ethereals and the brokers are actually very different. Uh, And it part, isn't just the fact that the brokers are interested in and commanding such a thing about anima. The ethereals aren't specifically about arcane. They don't want it. They're, They're brokers of their own sort, but they're not trying to, you know, they're not trying to get arcane stuff necessarily. Some of them are into the void. Some of them are into revenge. It's a very distinct difference in their society. But I mean, we could find out differently. It could turn out that they were never fleshy beings. You know, that kind of stuff's happened before
1: entirely possible uh but i either way we're going to wind up i I feel almost certain in this finding out more about the brokers as the expansion moves on because i think they're going to play an increasingly important role in how we deal with what's happening uh just even just from interactions with their weekly quests and, and things like that where they're sending you to get specific items from specific figures uh throughout you know the shadowlands I think it's going and and with everything that's happening with uh, Venari in the Maw, there's going to be some form of climax, some form of like culmination of, of our dealings with them, I think. Uh, So we'll find out more for sure. It's just going to take a matter of time. All right. Our next question comes from uh, Shad, who is a blood elf paladin from Hyjal US. Uh, While completing Sojourner of Bastion, I was working through the Spear of Calliope or Calliope, whatever I'd, don't know how you pronounce it, Uh, which is a fantastic storyline if only for the quest that is an homage to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The spear is the item, a reference to the Spear of Joseph. Uh, You have to kneel for the first challenge and you have to disable traps so an arrogant person can follow you. Before that quest, you can go on a quest, Mark of Humility, during which an NPC tells you that they foresee that a current enemy will become an ally and that they hope you will have the humility to see the true path. I know this could be ref- uh, referring to anyone, but let's set aside the it could be anyone and assume this statement will be resolved this expansion and is someone we have already seen since the expansion launched. Logically, I'm guessing one of four entities, Sylvanas, Helia, Jailer, or one of the f- or one or all of the Forsworn. What are your thoughts? Uh, Go with that one first, yeah. I was going to say Uther is the it seems like the uh, the yeah. logical one.
0: They even like don't you even don't kill Uther and you can find him at the end. So I assume it's going to be. I feel like that's the setup.
1: I think so too, and I think that's. I don't want to say the most obvious, but it makes the most logical sense, uh, especially with everything that they're building up with Uther and his story, as far as his involvement with Bastion and the Forsworn goes. Uh, there's even conversations like as you're doing going through the Bastion questing and getting like the memories of. Uh, the hand of, uh, what was her, the hand of devotion? I think. I can't remember who she was before she decided to become so Forsworn. Don't the
0: hand of loyalty. Hand of
1: loyalty. Thank you. Because um,
0: that's the big clue that Devos is, in fact, not on the up and up.
1: Yeah. So you have that, and there's comments that are made that, like, you know, he's not going to be truly a Forsworn. He's, you know, unstable and all those other things. Like, they're, they're dropping pretty heavily that Uther's going to swing back around, and I would not, I'm not going to be upset when that happens. So. Uh, but I think that that's pretty much the surefire bet for that. Uh, the second question here from Shad is: Are the first ones not the head of each of the Shadowland zones? The impression that I got from the main campaign story is that they are the first ones, and the jailer is one of them. Or have we not met the first ones yet? No, we have not met not, the first ones nope,
0: yet. That's definitely not the the ones that you've seen are the Eternals, and they are definitely they're on the same level as Titans. Basically, they're not the the first ones. If they were the first ones the jailer could presumably use the first one's portal that you use to get out of the maw. He can't. So clearly it's something beyond him. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. uh, I don't really think there's anything more deep than that. All right. Uh, our next set of questions, and there are three of them here. Uh, this is from Redzian, a night elf druid from uh, Kalistraz. So I have two comments and a question. Well, oh, sorry, two comments and a question. One in a recent lore watch, Matt mentioned that Orobos reminds him of Babylon Five. I'll go you one further and say that Kasher and Kaden are named after Sheridan and Delen, And in their uh, annoyed dialogue, Kasher mentions wanting to be left alone, all alone in the night, and Kaden has no desire to babble on. Yeah, I mean, that's... Pretty on the note. Uh, two, I have a theory that the skull in the Fatebringer sword is actually the skull of Renault, Alexandros Morgraine's eldest son. It seems fitting as Renault was the one who betrayed and killed him. Uh, and then three, this question has spoilers for Ardenwald's story. So during the story, we learn that the Wild Seas are nurtured with anima until they are ready to return to their world. We find out that the Wild Sea that bonds to us is Ysera. Does that mean that she was destined to return to Azeroth until the Winter Queen used her dwindling anima to save her and thus binding her to Ardenwald? Could that mean that the other dragon aspects could go through the same process when they die? Uh, so, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go? I mean,
0: I I don't know. Um, Ysera kind of had a specific relationship to to the Emerald Dream and thus to Ardenweald. Um, but I mean, I guess it's theoretically possible uh, if they haven't already been you know sucked dry by the the you know Wild Hunt and the Winter Queen to, to preserve Ardenweald. Then maybe, maybe we were going to get. Uh, Malagos back i don't know i've wanted Neltharian to return like i've wanted him to be in this expansion i've seen no sign of him and i doubt he will come back but i definitely wanted that uh, i think it would be fascinating to see a sane composed no longer affected by the old gods Neltharion. Yeah. even if he just appeared in the shadowlands and he didn't go back to azeroth just imagine the conversation he could have with with uh rathion uh, there's a lot there I would love to see, but, uh, I don't know if they if, could it mean that if the people at Blizzard wanted it to mean that, I don't know. Uh, for all, for all we know, in fact, you, sir would have reappeared on the Dragon Isles and that's how we're going to get the Dragon Isles expansion, uh, that we've been talking about forever and ever. Maybe like there's, you know, maybe Notharian's been reborn there. I don't have an answer to this question. I do think it's possible uh, if the Blizzard wants to do that. I definitely think they've given themselves room to do it if that's what they want to do.
1: Yeah, and I'm sort of in the same camp. I think I think they could do that if they so choose to, but I think most of it is that Ysera had sort of a special bond uh, with the Emerald Dream and as a result was almost being treated like one of the ancients as far as the cycle of rebirth goes. But the distinct impression that I get from doing the Ardenwald stuff during, during the Covenant is that anybody can go back. It's not just limited to, you know, the ancients and the old gods and the Loas and, and you know, supremely powerful beings. It's anyone that the Winter Queen deems worthy of going back, essentially. And I'm starting to take the fact that she bound Ysera in the way that she did as almost like a, I don't want to say like sticking up, you know, two fingers at her sister, but I think it is kind of that sort of like, not nice response to being demanded upon when everything else is going sideways it's like okay I'm going to use what limited anima I have to bring her back but she's going to be bound here not going to be sent back to her world like you like you assumed that she was going to because otherwise she would have taken her to the conservatory instead of the grove of awakening and you would have had a completely different you know set of 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 anything so could they do this with the other dragon aspects probably um, the way that it sets up any spirit that that can be put into a wild seed and fed anima and resurrected through that grove through the conservatory can and will be sent back to whatever their mortal realm is. I don't think it's limited, so Blizzard has all the wiggle room that they want here. Uh, it could be a thing where maybe uh, what is it, Corola I think that was the mate of Alex Straza.
0: Yes, yeah, Scorola Stras. Yeah, uh,
1: Crassus. Crassus, like. Maybe he gets sent back, and he's on the Dragon isles and that's where they come back because we don't know how that's the other thing. Like we don't know when something comes back, where they come back. Like that has not been explained. like we know Lo will come back. We know wild gods come back, but it's we've se-
0: seen in case of one, yeah, we saw scenarios return, and he returned through a portal in Hygel
1: that had to be opened by us,
0: yeah, so it's quite possible that there's some places where you can bring them through. I don't, but, but I think in general, yes, it's possible to go a little bit in about the whole, you know, Renault. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe it was his skull, but that would imply that Alexander Smogreen went back to our world and grabbed his kid's skull, which I don't think they're supposed to be able to do. Like once you're there, you're not supposed to come back. So I don't think so. But you know, it's not that he would, I don't know that he would pause from it. Although I don't know that he has that kind of animus. He, he struck his son down. And that's actually interesting because, you know, I just got done saying you're not supposed to be able to come back. But yeah, it's true. Uh, Alexandros appears and kills his son. Uh, maybe he brought it back with him. I don't know. That's a good point.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's entirely possible. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that answers your question. And I don't know. I think we'll find out more about uh, Alexandros, his role, and how he's got Fatebringer set up as that sort of storyline progresses. So if you have uh, chosen to go to, to the Bone City uh, route of your covenant, please report back and let us know, because I'd be curious what you guys run across as you. Our next question comes from Tetsemi. A question for Lorewatch. How similar are the Torn and the Night Elf cultures in regards to Earth Mother slash worship? Is there a mutual respect there culturally, or are they at odds? Um, I think until they burned the tree, there could have potentially been a respect, but I think that's all gone out the window now.
0: In terms of culture, um, in terms of the way their cultures approach these things, Night Elves tend not to really talk about the world or the Earth Mother itself. And to the torn loon is just one of two figures that kind of deal with the Earth Mother as subsidiary units. Like the eyes of the Earth Mother. So there's there's room to talk about it, but they definitely don't view the world in the same way. Uh, the Night Elves, because the Night Elves... Tend to focus on the moon and the night more than they do the world itself, the Earth Mother, which is a more Toran concept. Both are into nature, um, and there's certainly like there's evidence of, of there being a Toran Druidic tradition of sorts well before uh, Malfurian taught Hamul. Like they, they at one time they seemed to have their own form of Druidism that that fell by the wayside because they they were they were. It should be pointed out that they were in contact with Cenarius and his, you know, father, um, and that they knew them, Malorn and, and Cenarius. I believe they call him. Do they call him Malorn Aparo, or, or is that the son? I don't remember. I'll have to look up at some point. But they would definitely, the Torin preserve a, a version of the Cenarius myth. There's, there's room culturally for them to talk. But I definitely think that Joe's correct. That you know, the whole thing where you come to their land and burn it and kill. Thousands of their people. It's going to be real hard for Torrin and Night Elves to come to common cause anytime soon. I would guess Hamul doesn't get many calls back from Malfurion nowadays.
1: Probably not. No.
0: Uh, the the two talk at all. It would probably be very terse. I mean, it's probably fair that Hamul was busy. Like, I don't think Hamul was was you know involved in that attack. I think he was down in Silithus and had no more knowledge of it than anybody else. But nevertheless, I think that Malfurion's current perspective is much more aggressive towards the horde than it ever was before. So
1: Yeah, and I would I would agree.
0: But yeah, I think there's there's room for them to talk. Uh the Torin the Torin tend to say like, yeah, all that stuff you think is cool, but what about this? And the they also tend to be we don't care about that. So yeah, there's there's room to talk.
1: If they ever come to peace again. But yeah. So I think we have time for one more question. And this one comes from King Pluto question for Lorewatch. So was Odin's eye given to the jailer? And if so, is there a chance that the jailer's giving him sleeper agents in which he has control of already on Azeroth for when he escapes them um, all? The question seems to be implying that sleeper agents are in control by Odin, but no. So we don't know where the eye went. We know that Moisala made the deal. Uh, and bargained for the eye. We assume that it was given to the Jailer, but it is an assumption right now. We don't know for sure. We know that Moisala does not have it, uh, at least not at the time that we kick his teeth in on the other side. Uh, whether the forces that Odin was creating are going to result in potential sleeper agents for the Jailer, I don't think the Jailer cares about sleeper agents. He doesn't exactly seem subterfuge He seems pretty, pretty well, over- I mean-
0: I will actually say that it's possible that they're being used not in the case of agents that can be activated later to serve his will, but possibly as intelligence gathering. Like it definitely feels like the deal with the, with Odin was a means to create the Valkyr and the Valkyr seemed like definitely like they were a means to subvert the Kyrian and in Helya, like I've said before, I really feel like it's Helya that was the real prize the whole time. It Mm -hmm. was Helya they were after. Uh, They wanted Helya's knowledge. They wanted Helya's uh, gift for creating dimensional barriers and creating pocket dimensions because they wanted a way out of one. Um, basically, they wanted like a locksmith because they had the world's biggest lock wrapped around them and they needed somebody. If you want to get out of a, of a bad situation, you want to get out of a prison, what's one of the first things they do with with prisons and stuff nowadays is they hire experts to tr- who are experts at breaking out of things. Mm-hmm. And those people get to be experts from breaking out of things by studying those things. Uh, Helia is a pretty good example of somebody who's made her own pocket dimensions. She's a good person to look at how to get out of this one. So that's my theory about what Mozzala was after. I don't, I don't think. However, I think it's possible that Odin's eye is being used to spy into our world, and I quite agree. possibly looking through Odin himself or the things, any of the 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 Valkyrie that Odin creates,
1: or any Could of the be, Valjar.
0: Yeah, maybe we don't know.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm on that that same side though too. I think that that's the most likely thing is that it's. Odin's eye that allows the jailer to look into our world from his prison and I almost like uh, the Palantir type thing uh, I would not be surprised if we get to a point inside of whatever raid or, or level of Torghast we go into to start punching the jailer that we see uh, an encounter that revolves around that or, or shows us some things that were seen through that eye. Uh, because it just it gives me that sort of vibe that it's like yeah I can see what's going on with using this item that happens to be a piece of a you know a Titanic watch or a Titanic uh, custodian essentially sure why not it makes perfect sense especially if you consider that it I think it would be treated like a soul bound item or a, yeah like a soul bound item where uh, or soul linked item where of course it's part of a living creature why can't you use it to to sort of spy or divine. Uh, what they have access to you know i think we actually might have time for one more so let's let's see if we can get this in uh this is from Spooty. Uh, lore watch or blizzard watch question in the quest, working for a living in Maldraxxus, you use a broker portal to go to a different world to capture a creature. This world is the same map used in invasion point Arnor. Do you think that this is a sign that we may see more of the Legion invasion world in the future? Thanks for all that you do have been a listener since the olden days. Uh, the no mage from Alan.
0: I mean, it might be, or it might just be them reusing something they had so they didn't have to design a whole new world just for one quest. Uh, but, yeah, that's me being cynical. Uh, it is certainly possible we might see those worlds again. I mean, we know that there are other worlds that the Shadowlands connects to, so mm-hmm. it's possible.
1: I honestly hope that that's something we see a little bit more of. A uh, person I'd love to see... More worlds in which the Shadowlands touch and sort of start weaving things together a little bit because I think it would give a little more, I don't want to say solidity, but a little more connection to like what the Legion was doing with these worlds that they didn't destroy because we know the Legion visited countless worlds and that they destroy them or purge them of all life or burn them to the ground. But these worlds that we go to, there's still life there. The Legion's still present there. Why? What were they using it for? Uh, was it just to you know make another demon engine uh, or an engine of souls or whatever? Or was there a particular reason? Is it because uh, we know that the Legion probably at one point would have wanted to get into the Shadowlands. There's a lot of power there. Um, If the Void wanted to go there, the Legion very clearly would want to go there to find out what the Void wanted. So even if nothing more than to to deny them that sort of whatever power or whatever they're looking, since ultimately the Legion's goal was to destroy the Void, uh, so there could be something there. And I'd like to see maybe a little bit more about that. Were these worlds kept legion habitable for a reason? Is it because they were closer to that sort of thinning veil between uh, our universe and the Shadowlands? Uh, was it all part of that process? So, maybe. Uh, you know, of course, it could also be the cynical thing that Matt said, where it's like, nah, nah, we just want to reuse this map. It's it's easier than making a whole new map. Entirely possible, but I hope it spins off into something a little more uh, important. I think that would be very, very very cool but i think that's all we're going to have time for today blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to have and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience uh and again if you have any questions for the podcast be sure to send them in uh to our any of our discord channels uh patrons do get first billing uh and if you don't want to use discord be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com and again thank you for your continued support without you our listeners we wouldn't be able to make this content which i'm very grateful that we uh but without without further ado we'll let you go and we'll see you guys next week
0: dolphins on speeds
1: ACAST powers the world's best
0: podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.
1: So Robert, tell the people, what's a pretendian? It's just what it sounds like, Angel, a pretend Indian. Someone who fakes being one of us. Someone who impersonates a native.
0: We're talking about real scammers and con artists.
1: There are pretendians teaching at universities, pretendians running governments, pretendians in Hollywood.
0: On our new podcast, Pretendians, we'll
1: tell you the incredible story of these jaw-dropping frauds. Who are they? Why do they do it? And how the heck do they keep getting away with it? Listen to Pretendians on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.